So it's been a while since we've covered the stock market. Not a lot has moved or done anything since Biden got elected in November last year and then the massive sell-off after uh, the end of January. Um, haven't seen a whole lot of action. Even the companies that have, have gone through SPACs have seen complete uh, retracements, like 50, 60%. And so we're gonna take a look at an ETF, BAD, B-A-D, focused on cannabis and the sin stocks, basically gambling and alcohol. Um, we're gonna take a look at uh, cannabis investment picks for 2022. I wanna look at a unique scenario with a leverage buyout with the Cureleaf deal. There's also a bunch of analysts that are basically saying forget about Tilray and Canopy and Aurora, all those Canadian companies. So we're going to see why they're they're reducing their expectations on that, as well as a hedge funds. So best and worst performing hedge funds, uh, comparing that to the cannabis industry, all of that coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Picking up individual stocks can be kind of tricky, you know, from this Benzinga report from early January, a couple of gainers in here, but then a massive amount of losers. So uh, kind of hard to tell, you know, there's some technical traders out there who can graph this out, figure it out. A lot of other people have to work uh, for a living. So um I mean, the list, the list is huge on terms of what the losers are. Could be that people are reallocating their portfolio. Uh, could just be that nobody really wants to trade cannabis right now. They'd rather go to crypto or somewhere else. So there's um, a better, there are better ways of doing it. One of them is supposed to be a portfolio, but these cannabis portfolios have been doing really bad, whether it's uh, PodX or MJ or BAD doesn't really matter. Um, this new bad ETF or exchange traded fund focused on, on um, sin stocks, which is better, I think, than just cannabis alone, because it's, cannabis stocks don't, don't do well. Uh, they're momentum stocks. They move quick. Uh, you know, and I'm talking about the OTC 0.001 cent per share. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like legitimate companies that are, are, making money, that revenues, um, products, everything is legit. And yet, you know, CTF is trading for like 14 and a half bucks, hasn't done a whole lot. So um, seeing like, where are the people putting their money at? There's a 14 founder friendly investment firms pioneering the cannabis space. Now this is for private equity though. These aren't like, they don't really invest in publicly traded companies. You got Casa Verde Capital, from uh, Snoop Dogg, um, there's a couple other, you know, Arcadian is a good one. Uh, a lot of decent funds out there. Side and asset management, uh, one of the older ones that's been around for a while. We use some of Viridian Capital Advisors numbers. Uh, I'm not sure what their private equity results are. I know Poseidon does pretty well. There's, there's other ones too um, that do fairly well out there as well. So where should you put your money at in 2022, according to the Cannabis Daily, uh, or uh, Benzinga, rather? Um, let's see here. They mentioned bad. There's a Cannabis ETF Moss favoring a former hedge fund manager, Whitney Tilson. Um, Medmen is an absolute PR nightmare. Uh, Aurora's had their own issues. They can't 
they haven't proven to me that they're not completely wasting their money. Um, I don't know about AgriFi or CBD MD, but Flora Growth is something I would definitely take a look at. They've got a uh, product distribution agreement through Walmart in Mexico, ticker symbol FLGC. Um, I know who runs it. Um, I don't get paid for saying this, but they have a good company out there and they're uh, a decent growth strategy. And I think there's, you know, uh, um, uh, huge opportunities for potential buyouts in the future, but I'm not going to go into Aurora or Medmen and say that their top picks for cannabis. That's crazy. Let's look at the analysts cutting hundreds of millions from Tilray Canopy and, and Aurora since that other article might have been a pay to play. Uh, this is not analysts. They put their money, you know, in front of, uh, in front of their face, you know, the, 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 their actions speak with their money is what I'm saying or trying to say, <laughs> but the analysts slashing hundreds of millions off their 2022 sales forecast for three cannabis producers. It's an increasingly competitive landscape. Canada doesn't know what they're doing. Uh, the article doesn't say that I did. Um, from from regulations to overpackaging to producing garbage that Tilray is that nobody wants, that's kind of what the issue is. So you're limited on what you can manufacture. And then on top of that, um, you're mass producing stuff that nobody really wants. So they got to get into, you know, better um, companies. Um, Embark, for example, and Bubble Man with their um, Hank products, like small people like that are producing things that people actually want to consume. So lower expectations for, for Tilray, obviously, after that merger, like they lost half their soccer moms because nobody really wants to, um, you know, buy their products. There was no connection or whatever. So uh, Tilray's 11.7% uh, for Tilray down from about 15% the previous quarter. That's the estimated market share. Canopy 8.6, Aurora 2.8% market share. What? That's crazy. Um, by comparison, Aurora was 18%. Uh, Tilray was 18%. Canopy was 15 and Aurora was 6 they've lost a massive amount of market share to people who actually are producing good stuff. Like I mentioned, uh, the Hank brand, you know, that's bubble man and, um, his whole team up there producing that hash joint is phenomenal. I uh, can't wait to get up there and try that. Part of the lower expectations for Tilray analysts were expecting $1.2 billion uh, in Canadian and the, it ended up at, uh, or, so a billion U S and sales ended up at like 650 million. So uh, half of what they anticipated, and that's because Tilray doesn't know the industry and neither do the analysts. The people do, and the people have spoken with their money. They're like, we're not buying that trash. Jeffries, probably the one of the most uh, ignorant of them all, calls Tilray the most attractive Canadian operator and that they uh, newly lowered their forecast reflects an ongoing discount share pressure from smaller operators. It's not the discount pressure, you fool. It's the fact that they're producing things that people actually want. So you've got analysts on top of, of ignorant many, they like, no one knows what's going on. So keep, keep with your, uh, your Budweiser profile. And eventually there's going to be a lot of micro brew equivalents that pop out of nowhere. And you're going to be scratching your head going, where did they come from? Canopy's underperformance was because of a uh, supply chain issues, limited forecasts, 
um, from store closures and management's bearish outlook for German medical sales. Um, yeah, I mean, until they can figure out how to stop writing off uh, malinvestment, um, maybe that should be a top priority too. Aurora uh, confronting a lowered expectation. Analysts now expect the company's 2022 sales to come around 250 million Canadian. That's down sharply from uh, expectations that they were going to hit almost half a billion. I want to talk about a rare deal in the industry that is, signifies to me that the industry is massively maturing with a leveraged buyout. An LBO hasn't happened before. It's very, not rare, but um, Bain Capital is, is really known for that. Uh, that was a presidential candidate going against um, Obama the first time Mitt Romney was running that, and they were famous for leveraged buyouts. It's essentially using uh, debt um, to take over a company, and then they just completely gut the company. Historically, as an LBO is when you go and you gut the company, and then you sell off the assets, and then whatever's left um, generally isn't the company it started with, obviously. So interesting to see what's going to happen with Cureleaf as a result, because Cureleaf came in and I think they bought Select for $800 million. They went into Oregon and bought all these companies for $800 million, $900 million. Some of them were not an arm's length deal, meaning some of the previous executives went up, started companies, and then all of a sudden got almost a billion. Like, you know, there's um, suspicious transaction reports at a bank. An STR, if you deposit $10,000 in cash, bam, it triggers an SDR. That's a, that's a transaction, um, a suspicious transaction report different than a currency transaction report. So CTR for 10,000, but if you deposit 9,500, all of a sudden it's suspicious. Now it's an STR. So the 800 million, the 900 million, that raises flags to me say, okay, you didn't hit a billion, but you came close. That's suspicious to me. So um, Cureleaf probably will get uh, gutted in the same way that Canopy had to write off $3 billion from malinvestment. I see that happening. So Cureleaf, uh, they announced an acquisition of Bloom Dispensaries in Arizona, $211 million deal. Bloom has four dispensaries in the Arizona area. And so the total consideration of 211 is going to be using 51 million in cash and 160 million in notes. Okay. So this is um, different than when I thought I thought Cureleaf was being uh, acquired um, and said they're using debt to acquire others in Arizona. So um, a little bit different, very different scenario than uh, what I was expecting. Um, but, you know, maybe that was a Freudian slip. Maybe that'll happen to them uh, coming up. We'll have to pay close attention to that one. So the notes are structured in three series. There's a 50, 50, and a $60 million due uh, and so they're going to get these tranches. So that represents a 3.2x estimate of their revenue. That's really low. Like it used to be like 10x. You could go out and ask for 10 years worth of, of revenue. And now they're only getting 3.2x. That's, um, I don't know, seems pretty, pretty low. It is eight times their EBITDA. So still fairly low by about 30%. I would expect, you know, 10, 12 of EBITDA for somebody of that size, but you know, maybe not. So let's take a look at what's interesting about the deal and it's leverage. You don't have, if you have banking issues where you don't have access to capital. And so using notes to buy something kind of rare. Um, so this leverage buyout is going to be the first one in the cannabis industry, $160 million in debt, 
representing six times Bloom's EBITDA. So almost unheard of amount of leverage in the cannabis industry. So they bring up an interesting question, like, could they just have gone out and borrowed the 160 million and then paid themselves the cash? So that'd be called a leverage recap. It's not really possible because they don't have access to, um, to that kind of capital. They'd still, Bloom would still own 100% of the company, although in theory, the equity would be worth $160 million less because they went out and borrowed it. But they don't have sufficient hard assets to collateralize the loan of that size. So they'd have to stretch out the period even farther and then they'd pay more in interest. And um, bottom line, Cureleaf's uh, likely to kick in more cash instead of just funding the note repayment. Um, debt is getting cheaper. We've done podcasts on that before where not only is it, uh, there's some FOMO, people are going to take whatever they can get, uh, but they're also noticing that just like bonds, there's um, value to debt. However, valuations are drifting downwards. So that speculation and everything, people are pulling way back because they notice that these individual companies aren't moving in the way that they should. They're still coupled to federal legalization momentum as soon as they can be decoupled and run independently and have you know the advantages of normal business like uh banking for example or being able to write off uh your employee taxes uh, you can't have that because of 280e so that's going to massively increase overnight all of these publicly traded companies um valuations being able to write that off as soon as you have federal legalization in the meantime got to deal with uh, all of these issues but i think as more mso's um, are going to use debt the more leverage you're going to have and i think that's that's kind of a sign of the times um, as people kind of want to get out the game uh use a cash and do something else but with with debt it's kind of a slow trickle amount it's not like pfizer paying seven six point seven billion dollars in cash all cash it's not like that Pfizer happens to have like 33 billion in profit from last year is that right 33 billion Jesus and like we mentioned before they could literally buy the top five market cap cannabis companies with a check just so there's it's just a different game if your stocks didn't do well don't feel bad the top uh, hedge funds in the world did pretty terrible as well. Um, you know, we use uh, ML and AI to do uh, automated algorithmic trading. And so our, what we got last year is 147% for our fund. It's, it's a hedge fund. So you have to have hundred thousand minimum to qualify, but Toro alerts is an app that you can download uh, and it's the same algorithm. So 147% this last year in cannabis, and we had 93% the year before. When you look at uh, crypto, we got 876% in crypto last year. Um, and that was the first year we had done it. Um, so we just opened up this portfolio in January of 2020, uh, taken off. And crypto, don't tell anybody, but crypto is going to be available on the Toro Alerts app uh, in like a week. But just keep that to yourself. We do have stock options. First week, we got a 50% ROI on average for the people who downloaded that. It was pretty crazy. Um, so you have to take a look at that. But using artificial intelligence, machine learning with predictive analytics kind of got us out of a lot of the, the crashes right before the, um, 
the March crash last year for the pandemic, as well as the Bitcoin. We got out like 48 hours or something before the 36% crash in Bitcoin. So the wealth preservation is kind of the whole point. We want automated trading to keep emotions out of it. And then on top of that, um, try to time the market a little bit for wealth preservation. So get out at the top and get in at the bottom. Uh, and then it just kind of trades. It loves volatility. So it loves crypto. We're going to probably see a lot more volatility in the in this uh, stock market this year. And which is going to help because some of these hedge funds that do have, you know, human traders, they're not doing as well as passive mutual funds, which is crazy. And of course, Bitcoin and commodities are going nuts. So you can see our um, 147% in cannabis is pretty good when you compare it to all of these other ones. So we would be the top three uh, hedge fund if we were to have submitted this um, for, for you know this report or whatever, the top one being 196%. And then our crypto fund just demolished that at 800 and what did I say? 876%. <laughs> it's so crazy. I had to check. All right, let's look at some of the worst one, the Portland Hill Fund. I'm going to have to call them up and tell them to use our algorithm. Look at all these terrible like funds. Negative 34%, you know. Um, you know, even Kathy Woods, you know, her ArcView fund is, is getting hammered too. So a lot of these folks are trying to trade long-term. It's hard to do that. We don't invest. We just trade. It's in and out with, with our, um, our algorithm. We don't hold anything because trying to hold and think of what is going to happen five years from now is, is crazy. All right. Avoid losers. Go to toroalerts.com. Download that. Uh, it's a freemium model. So you'll get one alert per day. If you want real-time alerts, it's 199 a month. Uh, but I think our algorithm speaks for itself. Our returns are phenomenal. Even tracking the S&P 500, which is our most conservative portfolio, 43% on average for the last six years. Uh, a lot better than anything else. And like I said, it's automated. You'll get that alert. You do what we, you know, what the what the alert tells you to do um, to buy the particular stock or option or crypto at whatever price it says. Uh, and it's how much more simple can you get with that? So let me know what you guys are doing, what you're buying, all that stuff. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate. And I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.